Well, good morning. Good to see you all, um, and I hope you're having a blessed Memorial Day weekend. What a privilege to live in a context where many have sacrificed to afford us the freedoms we now enjoy. Um, before we carry on with regularly scheduled programming, can I ask somebody smarter than I if our fifth and sixth graders are indeed being dismissed? Okay, if you're in fifth and sixth grade, I'm not saying this isn't the best place on the planet to be. But you guys have your own space to be in, so if you've not left, feel free um, to do that. I know there's some pretty cool plans um, that I'm a little bit jealous of. So um, enjoy your time together, you guys. Um, if you're a guest with us, again, a particularly special welcome to you. It's no small deal that you chose to come and spend some of your holiday weekend uh, here with us this morning. And we trust that when it's all said and done, you will leave this place most impressed with the person of Jesus Christ, and that something in you will be stirred to live life a little more fully for him. Um, my name is Kondo. I get to serve as one of the pastors here, um, and it is just an honor um, to continue a series. And uh, we started this uh, three weeks ago. This is week number three of a conversation that we are calling From the Heart. And um, I've been looking forward to this. And I'll tell you what else I've been looking forward to. I've been looking forward to everybody kind of being in the space uh, at the same time and uh, just watching people. You know, the, the, the chair conspiracy of 2018. Hey, this is our seat in the first service. Well, it's our seat in the second service. And so who wins? I don't know, but it's been fun to watch. Um, but this conversation is really just us taking some time to talk about some of the things that have been sitting heavily on our hearts as a leadership team, as a staff, um, as pastor, as elders, and uh, there's nothing clean about this conversation. Uh, four weeks ago, we couldn't have told you what the content of this conversation would have been. Uh, there's nothing in this that is going to all necessarily tie together in a pretty bow when it's all said and done, but it's just where we are, and this is just kind of a can we talk type of um, conversation. And so thrilled to be continuing um, this chat. Next week, we're going to close. I do know this much. Next week, we're going to finish our conversation by leaning in and talking a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. Uh, what does it look like for us as a church to, to seek and pursue and be open um, to him in this space, in this context? Uh, I would encourage you not to miss that. It doesn't even matter which service you come to um, at that point. But this morning, we want to continue a conversation we started uh, last week. Again, fluid, organic um, in its nature. But last week, we started a conversation about the main thing. In fact, that's the question we were asking. What is the church's main thing? When everything is said and done, what will be said that the church's main thing was? What is the thing we do that ought to tower above everything else that we do? If we do everything else beautifully and perfectly, but we forget to do this thing, we would have been considered a very beautiful and excellent failure. And what is that thing. What's the thing we ought to be about more than we are about anything and everything else as a church? 
We are super thankful that Jesus in his grace saved us centuries of attempts at creative stabs in the dark to try and figure it out and conjure it up. He told us what the church's main thing ought to be. Carry my gospel to the world. Carry my love and give it away to a lost and hurting and broken world. You as a church do not reserve the rights to become super creative and decide that something else is more important and takes greater precedence over that. That ought to be the church's main thing. Carry the gospel, carry my love to a lost and broken world. Uh, here's the way Jesus said it um, in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to have the verses up here on the screen uh, for you to follow along. Again, if you don't own a copy, a physical copy of the Bible, we would love to get one into your hands. The Word of God, living and active, it will change your life forever. And we want to ensure that you have a copy. Please stop at the connection corner right after the service. Somebody there will be glad to hand you one as our gift to you. Uh, but Matthew chapter 28, again, Jesus has risen from the dead. He has absolutely leveled sin and death and Satan with a fatal blow, and he's risen victorious, gathers his followers around and says, I'm about to teleport, go back to heaven, but before I do, I want to give you something that will constitute your primary objective. This is uh, the main thing. Here's how Jesus said it. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And here's a simple version of what Jesus is saying to his followers gathered around him um, on that mountain. And here's what Jesus, in essence, is saying to every other follower of his who would come down the ages. Invite everyone to find life in me and live life for me. That's your main task. Invite everyone to find their life in me and to live their life for me. Here's how Mark um, recorded the same account, most likely getting his details from Peter because Mark wasn't there on that day. But again, I love this secondary reflection of that same event because it gives us a very clear sense of what the first century church would have understood Jesus' words to mean before they may have become recontextualized somewhere down the line. But here's what it says. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said to them, This is your thing. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Carry the gospel and offer it to everyone. That is the church's main thing. Give away the gospel to 
everyone. How are we doing, by the way, main singing it? Uh, gospel, uh, by the way, uh, means good news, which I tend to think is a tragic understatement because Jesus is saying, I am leaving eternity's best news ever in your hands. And I am telling you, make sure it gets to everybody. Carry and offer the best news to everyone. And here's the good news. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. We'll put this up on the screen so um, you can see it. That Jesus has paid the penalty and Jesus has paved the way for broken and sinful people to find forgiveness and to find freedom and to find friendship and fullness of life in him. I love that about the gospel. Jesus is saying, I have done everything. It is finished. The work is done. It's free. Now go and offer this to the lost and the hurting and the broken in the world. That forgiveness is theirs if they would receive it. Freedom and a restored friendship is theirs if they would take it. Fullness of life is there. Offer it for free. This is your main thing. Offer forgiveness. That you, my friend, just like is true of me, we've sinned. We've broken God's law, which is a capital offense. But good news Jesus has paid the penalty and is offering free forgiveness of all of your sin if you would simply receive it. That is good news. And Jesus says, offer that to the lost. Offer restored friendship. We were created to thrive in a relationship with God, but our sin has irreparably severed and broken that relationship. But good news, Jesus came and he became the bridge through which our relationship with God can be restored forever again. You and God can be good again. And Jesus is saying, tell the world that. They need to know that their relationship with God can be restored Offer freedom that comes in the gospel, that that cycle of bondage you've been in for years and years that you don't seem to be able to shake. Maybe it's even clung onto your family for a number of generations. Good news, the chain breaker came and he crushed sin's spine and it no longer needs to control or have power over you if you would simply come to Jesus, there is freedom in him. Give it away. Give away the offer of fullness of life. Because you know how your soul has been thirsty and your soul has been hungry and it's been longing for fullness, which is, by the way, why you continue to run to those broken relationships, why you continue to run to a variety of different places, hoping that those will finally fill the emptiness in your soul, but it only leaves you emptier. Well, good news Jesus offers fullness of life in him if you come and eat and drink to your heart's content. The main thing for the church is to share the gospel love of Jesus with our world. And again, if we do everything else really well, but we miss that main thing, we miss the whole thing. Offer the gospel 
to everyone. Uh, here's how we say it at Mission Point. That we exist to invite everyone, everywhere, to life in Christ. And as we said last week, that's not just a cool and cute creative saying. That is our understanding of Jesus calling for us to live out the main thing. We exist to figure out how to share the love of Jesus in the gospel with everyone everywhere. And you're going to hear me continue to say this until it becomes borderline exhausting because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when it's all said and done, if we are just talking about this but we're not actually doing it, whether we realize it or not, we are sabotaging the very thing Jesus called us to be about. This is the main thing. This is a thing that we ought not just think about but ask the question, if this is true, is this what we are actually doing? Is this what we are actually living out? And so we want to talk a little bit uh, more practically about that this morning. And our two um, things I, I want to say. Um, the first is about sharing. The first is about sharing. And I wish we could just take a lot of time to sit in this space and talk about the the reality that revival in our county is waiting in the wings. And I suspect that for a very long time, many of us have longed for it. We've prayed for it. We've asked God to, to move mightily and, and completely unravel the work of the enemy and draw people to yourself. But we've been in this conflict with our God because we're saying, God, move. And he's saying, great, you speak. And as you do, I will begin to do the thing that you have longed for. Revival is in the wings. So about sharing, about sharing, because again, living the main thing is figuring out how to share the love of Jesus. What does that look like for us to live out a little bit more? Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We, we again looked at this um, a little bit last week. Um, such a fantastic uh, verse, by the way. I love when I say that, such a fantastic verse, as opposed to Acts chapter 1, verse 9. That one, not so much. But for the sake of what we're talking about, this is a fantastic verse. Um, here's what it says, Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Such a compelling verse of Scripture. And if you were here last week, you remember us talking about this because for a very long time, uh, one of the things that's kept us from sharing the gospel and living out the main thing is this lie that no, 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 no. Living out the main thing, carrying and offering the gospel, that's the responsibility of the missionaries, the uniquely called and qualified and super trained and very pious group of people. It's up to them to do it. So I love this. Because Jesus says, no, when the Spirit comes on you, meaning everyone who has the Holy Spirit is called to carry and offer, is called to share the good news of the gospel. Not just the seminary educated, not just the extroverts, 
Not just the sevens, you know, on the Enneagram scale or whatever. Um, not, not just those who claim to be uniquely called to the mission work. It's everyone who has the Holy Spirit. It's not just those, by the way, who have worked through all of their struggles and who've worked through all of their family dysfunction. And now they've figured it out, and now they're qualified to share the good news with the world around them. No, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are called to carry the gospel. If you are saved, you are a missionary. If you are saved, you are an evangelist. And the word Jesus uses here, by the way, is the word uh, witness. Um, when you get my spirit, you become a witness. You become my witness. And a witness has a simple job, by the way, which is to do what? Feel free to shout, talk back to me. To witness. To report. Tell the truth testify, right? A witness has a very simple job. Um, and that makes sense, by the way. If Jesus has saved you, if Jesus has completely unraveled and upended your life, if Jesus has saved you, guess what? You have a first-hand witness story to tell. So it makes sense that Jesus would say, you are my witness. You have a story to tell. And this is awesome, by the way. It doesn't have to be super complicated. It's all, yeah, yeah, you know, we're standing out here um, with our condos in Fuque, and he's uh, telling us what happened. Oh, yeah, man, it was crazy. So Jesus, so he breaks into my life, right? And he just steals all my sin. And he carries off all of my shame. And he leaves just a bunch of grace everywhere. And, and the gifts all, all over the place and directions to heaven. I can't figure it out. But that's the reality, right? Jesus came and wrecked my life, and now I just get to testify. I now just get to tell people what Jesus did in my life, what Jesus did for me. If you're saved, you have a first-hand story to tell. So, of course, this word is beautiful. You are a witness. And a witness, as we said a moment ago, has a pretty simple Job. It's not because you're specially trained, it's because you're personally transformed. So therefore, you tell as many somebodies as possible what Jesus has done for you. You are a witness. And again, um, part of the reason we're burdened to have this conversation is because we realize that there's a re-emerging of the ancient lie that says, no, there's an elite category of people who get to witness. There's an elite category of people who get to testify. The problem is once we say it's the responsibility of the uniquely called and qualified, we abdicate ourselves of the responsibility, and many of us just stop testifying. And we stop living the main thing. And the heartbeat of the church starts to slow down because it's wrapped up in carrying out the main thing that Jesus has called us to. And I'm starting to get a little more frustrated, not with anyone in particular, but with the devil very much. I, I just don't like how happy the church is oftentimes making him.
Because the devil knows something that's very true. He knows that we are naturally testifiers. We are natural testifiers. I mean, how often do you have to convince somebody to share good news? No, in our culture, we're trying to stop people from sharing too much good news. People are constantly sharing good news. Close out sale at Carson's. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Instagram, Facebook, we will share it out. Celtics in seven. Good news. We'll share it out very quickly. Which is why, by the way, I told you this is from the heart and it's super messy, but which is why I think Instagram can often be a slap in God's face. Because again, to me, it feels like this reminder that we not only know how, but we love to share the good news of our lives. It doesn't, frankly, even have to be that good news. The meal was okay. Let's be honest. But by the time you took a picture of it and threw a filter on it, it was the world's greatest meal that you shared with the rest of us as we insta-testify. We loved to share good news. And then when it comes to the best news ever, Satan is like, watch these witnesses plead the fifth. They will get strangely quiet for fear that it might incriminate my career, for fear that it may you know, cause people to look at me as intolerant, for fear of my reputation being tarnished. And for some reason or another, when it comes to the best news ever, we shut down. And we stop sharing. We stop testifying. And the enemy's having a heyday. Look how many of them are in the witness protection program. Um, as so many of us refuse to share the news. And as the lost and the hurting in the world around us continue to long for something that will invite them to life, not just in this world, but long beyond it. Witnesses testify. And we ought to, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the main thing is for us to be sharing who Jesus is. Share his forgiveness. Share his forgiveness. Um, share a way... Because again, I think we often make sharing the good news of Jesus very complicated. But, but we name just four aspects of the gospel, and there are many others. What would it look like to simply share some of these aspects? Share his forgiveness. Sh testify to his forgiveness. Which means, what does it look like for you to share with people in your world the way Jesus has forgiven you of your sin and has forgiven you of your mistake and has forgiven you of your failure. And I'll tell you one of the reasons this is hard for me, because I honestly want to be the person who comes across as the one who offers forgiveness but didn't really need it. This will actually require us sharing with people our imperfections. This will actually require us to share with people our own areas of brokenness. I often plead the fifth when I have a chance to share about his forgiveness because I, you know what? I don't want anybody to know about the ways that I myself have needed forgiveness. I'd rather 
people thought I had my stuff together than be vulnerable and share some of those pieces. But how powerful is it for us to share and to testify and to say, just like you, I need his forgiveness as well. We both need his forgiveness. And good news, he offers it freely if we simply come. There's beauty and power in people hearing how the forgiver forgave us. I'd be curious to know in your world, with your family, um, and I think many times we feel the need as a witness to have our lives perfect so we don't want to share anything that might make us seem human and vulnerable and fallen and in need of forgiveness. And yet there is power in that place. I believe the Spirit will move as witnesses testify and say, I was there when my own mess was forgiven just yesterday, when my own mess was forgiven for the very first time. Share his forgiveness. Share his freedom. Share a way in which Jesus has set you free. And you want to talk about something a little more scary? Share a way in which Jesus is still setting you free from something that still seems to have strange power in your life. That is vulnerable. And yet there is something incredibly powerful about saying, and I'm still in the process of being set free by my Savior, Jesus Christ. And every time I do that, I end up pointing not to my own perfection and not to the fact that I have my stuff together, but I point to the chain breaker. I point to the one who sets people free. I just testify. And I point to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love being the guy who needs no chains broken today. I used to need freedom, but I grew up, I grew up and I grew out of that. And yet there's power in the testimony of the struggle. I'm not there. It's still hard, but Jesus is freeing me. Imagine if the church started to share honestly like that at our Memorial Day weekend cookouts. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Still struggling, but Jesus is setting me free. Share his freedom. Something powerful will begin to happen in those spaces. Share his, his friendship. Simply testifying to the fact that you too had a broken and severed relationship with God. The most important relationship. And had he not restored it how hopeless you would be. Share his fullness. Tell somebody how nothing else worked. By the way, this is one of the primary ways that I tend to share the gospel with people that I run into. By sharing the ways in which every attempt I made to, to fill my emptiness with pleasure, to fill my emptiness with other relationships, to fill my emptiness with relationships, you know, entertainment, whatever the case was, it just never worked. It left me emptier and broken until I turned over to the one who is the living well. And it's in him that I started to find fulfillment. But I still run back to those broken cisterns uh, every now and then. And I still need his grace. I still need his forgiveness. But fullness of life was found when I came 
to him? What does it look like to offer an empty world that is clawing and clamoring and searching the fullness of Jesus that you yourself have found? Unless, of course, you haven't. Everyone who's been forgiven is a missionary. Everyone who's been forgiven is a witness. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ has a testimony. One of the dangers of the church today is just the fact that we are not testifying. It's not that he hasn't done something. It's that we just mute our voices and we will not share And in doing that, we miss out on living the main thing Jesus has called us to. And our world misses out on the hope that we have experienced and can so often hoard. Share something. Again, it doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to testify what Jesus has done. Share something. Share something. Um, People will sometimes ask, and as a church, we want to do a better job arming and equipping our people to share the gospel uh, with our world. Uh, But sometimes, I honestly think we make it more complicated than it has to be. Um, Because I don't have to teach my kids how to post on Instagram. I never sat with them and said, if something amazing happens in your life, here's how you share it with everybody. They figured it out. Why? Because what happened was good news to them. It was meaningful to them. And I'm telling you, let's be honest. If something epic happens in my life, I will figure out a way. I don't fully understand hockey. But I will tell you like, oh, it was a great game. That one thing, it went down the thing. And the other guy with a big stick, he swang it. And then two guys fought and they didn't stop it. And then one guy beat up the other guy. And then after the third quarter, I don't know what happened to the fourth one or the third period or whatever. The the, the one team won and the other team lost. I sound like a fool, but I'm so excited. I'll share the story even in the most basic, imperfect, broken ways. I think sometimes we say, I can't say it all, and I can't say it perfectly, so I'm not going to say anything. Jesus doesn't even need you to say anything. He might just need you to say, I cried help, and Jesus showed up. That's your testimony, and through your simple testimony, the Spirit brings life. I think when we become stingy and we feel like we need to be perfect and super seminary trained, we start to believe the power of transformation in the gospel is in my presentation. No, it's not. The power is in the Holy Spirit. He doesn't even need you to say that much. And so many times when I hear the question, well, how should we share the gospel? There are ways, and I I hope we grow into doing that better and better. But it's also good for us to remember, if he's done something, share what he's done, even in the most simple and basic ways. And I suspect that as we renew our commitment to living the main thing in messy and broken and imperfect ways because we are messy and broken and imperfect people who are completely dependent on a perfect Savior, as we start to do that, watch out. I suspect the Spirit will start to do the very things we've longed to see Him do in our time. Let me say something about showing. Um... Because the the main thing is about more than just sharing. It's about showing 
the gospel love of Jesus Christ. Again, we looked at this verse uh, last week, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says, you are, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this applies to you. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So radical the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. This picture is powerful because you know as well as I do. Um, light is not designed to make noise. Uh, light is designed to show what otherwise might not be seen. You are the way that people get to see what the gospel love of Jesus looks like in a world in which they might otherwise not see it. You are the way Jesus intends to make his love known, to put his love on display. You are the way he intends to make his love visible, the, the way he intends to make his love tangible, the way he intends to make his love experiential. We are the way th that people get to say, I never knew what Jesus looked like until I saw you do something. And then all of a sudden it brought light to the love of Jesus Christ, what he is like. And if there's any doubt what Jesus means, he clarifies that a couple of verses later. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. More than just talking. And glorify your Father in heaven. So that what you do in a dark world will help people see Jesus and glorify God in heaven. And this is just a beautiful invitation to live out the main thing, to do the gospel, to do for the people in our world what Jesus has done for us in the gospel, to live out forgiveness. Right? I mean, our story is that Jesus absorbed our sin. And being light in forgiveness means absorbing the offense of that coworker to put forgiveness on display, especially because the coworker doesn't deserve it and didn't even ask for it. Showing. Forgiveness. It, it, it means that, man, I could have obviously gone on and on about my kids' ingratitude, but I'm absorbing my kids' ingratitude today. Okay, tomorrow. I don't know. It's too late in the day. I learned what Jesus was like from the way my mom didn't condemn me for my terrible mistake. I knew she should have, but she absorbed in that moment and revealed something of what Jesus is like. The church should be the most forgiving of all people on the planet. A, because we've been forgiven, and B, because we are light now putting forgiveness on 
display in the world around us. Otherwise, a message of forgiveness from an unforgiving movement of people, it puts a bushel over the light. And people say, I don't see it. I mean, I hear you talk about how Jesus forgives, but I don't see it. I hear you share it, but you never show it. What do you bring when you show up at work? Do you bring the light of forgiveness? And I'm not talking about quick and cheap. I'm not talking about easy, but I'm talking about the hard, courageous work of moving in that direction with the people around us. What does it look like for us to live out freedom? Because we know our story is that Jesus broke the chains that shackled us and kept us in destructive cycles, even when we chose to be in that messy place. Well, I want to show his, his freedom. I want to be light as I fight for the freedom of the oppressed wherever I go. And I refuse to stand by while injustice is being carried out. Where we as a church say, I'm going to protect the vulnerable however I can. I'm going to come alongside the underprivileged however I can. I will shine a light in those dark spaces. Because that's what Jesus did for me. And now I want to be the light of freedom in the world of people who are being hurt or abused or oppressed. That's why, by the way, Mission Point will continually obsess over orphan care. Because he came for us in our most vulnerable moments and he sheltered us. I never knew what Jesus was like until I saw his church step into care for that orphan. Then I saw the visible gospel. We, church, should be the most concerned for freedom. We should be the most concerned for justice because it shows what the gospel is like and it helps to live out the main thing. I don't know what you bring into your spaces, but as we fight against false accusations and we fight against abuse and we fight against discrimination and we stand up for those things and we become light pillars of freedom, we start to put the gospel on display. Not because we talk about Jesus and his freedom, but because we live to bring freedom into the spaces where people are being oppressed. And we live out friendship. If we talk about the gospel in which our broken relationship with God was severed when we were enemies, what does it look like for the church to be the first to embrace the vilified? For us to be the first to embrace the marginalized? The people who everyone else says, no, 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 those people are label, 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 label. Those people are this, that, and the other. So we ought to keep our distance. Those should be the people towards whom the church are gravitating. In your workplace, it's that person that everybody else is like, no, that you are moving towards. Because while we were enemies... He came after us. What does it look like for us to be the ones who never use labels and are never standing at a distance of somebody because they have this reputation or that reputation or they have this struggle or they have this failure, or this weakness? The church should be the most embracing of all people because as we do that, we put on display the very gospel that we have experienced in which enemies were made friends. What does it look like for us to, to do, to live out the fullness that Jesus brings in 
the gospel. He came that I might have fullness of life. He filled the emptiness in my soul. Do you start to see why Jesus is all about feed the hungry? I'm the bread of life who satisfied your deepest emptiness. Now, be light so that when people see the way you come alongside those who are hungry, those who are impoverished, those who are struggling, and you feed them to satisfaction, it paints a picture of what's been done for you, and it paints a picture of what I am like. That's why we love supermarket sweeps, and we love secret shopping for single parents, and we love meal trains. We love figuring out practical ways to put the gospel on display in the lives of people who are experiencing real needs, because we experienced the love of Jesus, and we want others to experience something of what his love is like through us. Witnesses must testify light must shine. Witnesses must share the love of Jesus Christ. And the light of the world must show the love of Jesus Christ. That's why you continually hear us say, we exist to invite everyone everywhere to life in Christ, which means we want to figure out what it looks like to show and share His love where we live, where we work, where we learn, where we play. We want to do both because that's what it looks like to practically live out the main thing. Um, man, with the, the, the few minutes we have left, I do, I, I just want to, to say I love being a part of this church. And um, I love what the Holy Spirit is at work um, Doing And so I just want to take a moment to give some missionary reports. Um, um, I completely, 100% did not ask the permission of anybody I'm about to talk about right now. So I have the microphone. Please don't turn it off back there. Um, uh, let me tell you uh, about uh, Stan and Jerry Hepler, who are sitting in this room, and I'm not going to point at them. Um, <laughs> and uh, Stan and Jerry Hepler living, living the main thing. Just a couple of missionary reports, because again, if you follow Jesus, you're a missionary. So <laughs> I heard the story this week where um, Stan and Jerry were driving in town to who knows where. Uh, they're retired. They can go wherever they want. Um, they were driving, and uh, they were stopped by one of our famous trains in town. Uh, so they stopped by a train in town. And uh, so Jerry uh, looks over at Stan, and she just starts complaining about this. That's not true. That's not what happened. Actually, Jerry's sitting in her chair, and Stan's sitting, driver's seat. Stan looks over to the passenger seat, and all of a sudden, Jerry is gone. Jerry gets out of her car because she apparently spotted a couple outside and the spirit whispered and she said yes. So she jumps out of her car and she goes and starts talking to these people while the train has stopped, while most of us would be complaining and, and doing whatever else. And she's talking to this couple um, and starting to hear bits and pieces of their story. Turns out that this couple was homeless. And so um, a little bit later, you know, Stan and Jerry are like a heaven's Uber service. You know, they end up taking this couple to a variety of different places. 
um, across county lines. And you better believe if you're in a car with Stan and Jerry for any extended amount of time, you're not just going to be shown the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is going to be shared with you. I heard that story and I was blown away. Uh, Stan and Jerry are not seminary educated people. Stan's a retired engineer. Jerry is a retired nurse. But they believe we are the light of the world. And the main thing is our thing. And we are missionaries. And wherever we go, the light of Jesus goes. And the opportunity to show his love is now a reality. And I love that at a train stop, light jumps out of the car. And this couple said, I, we didn't really know what Jesus looked like until we ran into these two crazy people. Who does that? I don't even know if it's legal. If it's not, don't tell me. But I loved hearing that story. Um, I, I was having a conversation with um, Mark um, Kelly. I'll say your last name. Um, and uh, Mark was on the mission field in a vocational sense in Asia a number of years ago. The Lord called them back. And uh, obviously Mark's been processing what does the Lord have for us um, now. And he was telling me where the Lord has him stationed right now. He's working for an organization. And this organization, its responsibility is to advocate for the most abused and vulnerable kids you can imagine stories that will make your stomach turn. And he was rejoicing in the fact that God has planted me in these contexts where I get to be the freedom of the gospel put on display as I fight for these kids and I fight against injustice. And in that space, I get to be light, not just to these kids, but to my co-workers because I have opportunities in those moments to share what Jesus has done and to share his truth in those spaces. And when I hear that, I think that that's amazing how the Lord has us in different places and how our people are starting to embrace the fact that I'm a missionary in this space. People would have said, oh, you're a missionary when you're in Asia and then you came home. It's like, no, the Spirit just reassigned my mission field. It's now different. Um, Angie Wood was telling us, our staff has started to do a study together about loving people and what that looks like. And um, Angie Wood, who's on staff with us, just made the mistake of just being open to what the Spirit might want to do um, through that. And man, last week at some point, she was driving busy day. She's got her girls in the car, and she sees an elderly woman walking uh, along the road. Um, and the Spirit whispers, and she listens, and she stops, and she asks this lady, can I give you a ride? And I heard this story, and this story broke my heart. This elderly woman tells her, yes, please, I'm... I need to go to Pearson. Okay, but this is Warsaw. Yeah, so I was just going to walk to Pearson um, to get some um, medical work done. Wait a minute. So you're not healthy, and you're an elderly woman, and you're walking to Pearson. Yes. So I'm just, that breaks my heart. Like, wait a minute. I mean, so no one to give you a ride? You have no way of even getting there, and you're struggling medically? 
But anyway, the spirit whispers, and Angie gives her a ride, and they obviously get to talk, and she gets to hear bits and pieces of um, her story as they um, go along. And this woman is clearly struggling to even embrace this gesture of love, because light is blinding to many people when you haven't experienced it very very often. And I was listening to that story and thinking, you know, I, I don't know how that story completely ends. I don't know that it's perfectly tied up with a bow, but I know that in that moment of obedience, Angie took this woman to where she needed to go. And, you know, she was sharing with us that the Spirit just kept stirring, just do the next thing. Angie's a planner. She's weird like that. Um, and so she's going to want to know this, and then what happens at the end, and then what's the final step? And the Spirit is just, what's the next thing she needs? Do the next thing she needs. Do the next thing that she needs. I think about John and Angie Metz, um, this crazy couple who even moved strategically to be in a neighborhood where they can be of incredible um, impact and to be love, heaven's love to their neighbors. And they're just consistently opening their home and extending their table to befriend people and to get to know them, believing that the kingdom can come in our home. It's nothing flashy. It's nothing out there. It's just how d do we display the hospitality and the friendly embrace of Jesus in our home. And I love the fact that their kids are getting to grow up watching that as a general posture of putting love on display. I think about Ryan and Nina Berger. Um, at 2012, the Lord puts a burden on their heart to start um, putting on sport camps for kids in the community, to not only minister to their families, but to use the avenue of sports to put Jesus on display, to bring glory to God and share something of the hope of the gospel. And here, in just a couple of weeks, they're having their, I believe, seventh annual Agatas soccer camp. It started with a few kids, and now they open up registration, and it's like a Coldplay concert. I mean, that thing is filled and sold out so quick that they're having to now consider, should we take this into different neighborhoods, neighborhoods, especially neighborhoods where kids have a unique brand of need? And on and on the stories go. I think of Sami Smith. Sami Smith is an eighth grader, and I heard the story about when... <clears throat> The basketball game is happening, and everybody's going crazy in there, and he's out in the hallway just sharing the gospel with one of his schoolmates. Eighth grade, but understanding I am his light. I am the means through which Jesus wants to carry the gospel into our world. Um, I think about Jenny Henning, and Jenny Henning, oh my goodness, I love this this lady. But uh, Jenny Henning serves in our kids' ministry. And I've just heard story after story about how she just somehow entrances these kids and sits on the floor and shares Jesus with them and shares Jesus with them. And I heard the same thing at our love op last weekend while she sat with the kids of our single uh, families, single parents that we're ministering to, and she just shared the love of Jesus with these kids. And then she left there and went to one such child and shared the love of Jesus with the kids um, that were there because she understands in this season where my kid is out of the home and I have a little more time and a little more space, I want to spend it living out the main thing in beautiful and powerful. 
ways. I love the missionary reports of many of us who are starting to embrace the fact it's not the uniquely trained, it's not the uniquely called, it's not the uniquely qualified, it's every and all of us who have the Spirit of God. Every one of us, everywhere we go, there's opportunities if we are dialed into the Spirit of God and His voice. Um, I have the privilege of um, man, going into different contexts um, by the grace of God. Uh, John Hoover, come on out here. Um, I have the privilege of going into different contexts to, um, to share. And uh, I know because of what I'm growing to believe, I will agree to go to places especially that have to do with advocating for kids. Um, I was doing something like that just a couple of weeks ago. Um, or advocating for diversity. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was standing on this very stage, Warsaw High School, putting on something to celebrate and grow in diversity. And I had the privilege of being um, a, a part of that. And, and part of that is, I, Lord, I want to understand that whatever influence I have, or whatever context I have, I want to use those to show and share your love with um, the world. Ah, man, this just last week, I was between meetings and I snuck out to grab some coffee. And while I was driving back to the office, um, man, I saw a guy, just shirtless guy, walking down Worcester Road. And I'm like, oh, here we go, Lord. You, yes, you are. Okay, so I stopped the car, asked him, do you need a ride? He said, yeah, absolutely, and jumped in. Um, and right as you were sitting down, I said, yeah, I need to go to Sydney. You know, uh, I'm like, I hope you don't mean Australia. But... Um, <laughs> Sydney, Indiana. Never been to Sydney, Indiana, you know. And um, so I started to take him um, over to Sydney. And again, heartbreaking. So I'm like, wait a minute. So you're about to make this five-hour walk. Yes. How come? Just got out of prison. Been in there for about four months. Reached out to my family. No one wanted to come get me. So here I am walking. I hope I'm welcome when I get back, but here I am walking home, and I'm just hoping to make a change in my life. I'm tired of living the way I've lived. And in that moment, I was privileged because it's like I don't just get to show him the love of Jesus because Jesus came, got me when no one else would. Um, he came, took me when no one else would. But now I get to share with, oh, my goodness, man, I chased the wrong things, and I, I, I went after patterns that were destructive, and they ended up bringing, and the only thing, that turned my life forever was when I handed my life forever over to Jesus. And then I went back to the office and carried on with meetings. And it was just another reminder, Kondo, I want you to be in a posture where you understand you're a missionary every day, everywhere, and that there's an openness for you to be the light of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus on display. And I can't imagine this weekend as we interact with different people, what opportunities the Lord might give us if we are open to them. And if we embrace the fact that, wait a minute. I am the way he wants to share and show his love. And that actually is the main reason I woke up this morning. I suspect revival might be on the horizon. And so, Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for just reminders of what you've done in our world, what you've done in our life. Please, Lord, revive our county, but start with us. Remind us of your grace. Remind us of your great calling. And then open our eyes to what your spirit is doing so that we can put his love and light on display. Thanks for the way you've loved us. Help us to love people well. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand together?